What we've got here is failure to communicate. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Tough, unique, bad, bold, and sassy. 60% of the time, it works every time. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Take the pain. Take the pain! Have you ever seen a grown man naked? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Today, Junior? It's too late to turn back now. It's the Brian Hanks Show. Indeed it is, indeed it is. Hello, live and on tape from beautiful Jacksonville Boulevard in lovely Jacksonville, North Carolina. That's right. We are not at the Plush Well-Lit Studio in Kinston, North Carolina. We're in a Plush Well-Lit Hotel Room in Jacksonville, North Carolina. It's finally Friday. It's Friday, June the 23rd in the year of our Lord, 2023. This is episode 887 of the Brian Hank Show presented by Lenore Community College. My co-hosts, John Dawson and Jonathan Massey, unfortunately will not be joining us today. Uh, yes, we've had more uh, technical problems. We'll talk more about that a, uh, a little bit later. Man, I, you know, you don't realize you don't have much of a voice until you start talking <laughs> when you've been by yourself and you had a crazy day yesterday and you realize, wow, I, I, I just don't have much of a voice. And on top of it, I am in a, it's a pretty nice hotel. I got to thank Wells Gulledge for uh, hooking me up here down here at the East Coast Invitational at a, uh, a, a nice hotel down here. Really enjoying it. But also, I don't want to be super loud. I don't want to be screaming like I usually do. And, uh, <clears throat> You know, getting a call from uh, the front desk. Uh, hey, can can you keep it down uh, up there in uh, whatever your room number is? So uh, if, if I sound a little muted, uh, that's why. I'm trying not to be uh, my crazy, loud, usual self. But let me tell you something. Watched a lot of great basketball yesterday. Watched, uh, uh, witnessed where a tornado touched down in Kenston yesterday afternoon. And we're going to be talking about all that here in a little bit on the Brian Hanks show. Uh, just craziness, craziness. We've got another great show for you today. And let me tell you, it's again, just like it was yesterday, very jam-packed here in our first hour. In, in fact, in just a few moments, we're going to be joined by a man who saw his business get hit by some of that tornado damage yesterday. Uh, he's our good friend. You know, we talk about him all the time. Keith Spence of Spence Automotive. He's going to get us called up. On uh, what happened yesterday in the Plaza Boulevard area of Kinston, uh, I could talk about it a little bit too. I was out there as a public information officer, and it was just—it was insane. It was literally insane. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I've never really—I mean, you know—I've covered hurricanes and all that. I've never really been in the aftermath of a tornado, except for when I was like seven or eight years old. I remember uh, up in Elkin, North Carolina, being uh, being hearing that a storm is coming and we all got sent into the back of a, uh, I think it was a wind Dixie and uh, long story short, uh, we did get hit by a tornado, blew all the windows out there. But, uh, man, yesterday was just insane. The furniture fair of, uh, on Plaza Boulevard got hit pretty bad. But again, like I said, let's save some of that because we're going to be talking to Paul or Paul. We're going to be talking to uh, Keith about that here in a few moments. Uh, that's uh, Keith Spence, and then about 20 minutes or so here into this first hour, we're going to be joined by uh, our NASCAR expert, uh, Paul Whittington. He's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, get us ready for the race this weekend. Now, we had a week off last week. As you know, we uh, bemoaned the fact that it's Father's Day and that we didn't have a race last week. Uh, it was just craziness, but uh, we'll uh, be talking to him here in a little bit let's see what my uh <laughs> my executive producer back at the plush well it's well she's not in the studio she's in a, a comfortable bed right now probably listening to the show but linda whittington uh telling me that uh she's shocked that i'm not there right now <sighs> honey you should have noticed that i don't know how you didn't i know you had a bed full of animals but uh there you go but uh, I guess we're sounding all right. She'll let me know here in a second. Like I said, she is our uh, the executive producer of this here, Brian Hanks Show. She's the one that lets me know if we're on the air and if we're sounding good and all that. So 
Anyway, uh, Paul Whittington, like I said, be joining us here uh, about 15 minutes from right now uh, in our second hour. You heard him yesterday here on the show, and he is a gentleman that's in charge of all the broadcasts here from the 2023 East Coast Invitational, Todd Bartley. And then this is going to be awesome about uh, 20, 25 minutes into the second hour. We're going to be joined by soon-to-be Kent's Lenore County Sports Hall of Famer, one of my favorite guys, one of the favorite guys I've ever, ever, ever covered. Uh, it's going to be Wells Gulledge. He's a head coach at Wilmington Ashley High School. He's also the founder of this here uh, ECI of the East Coast Invitational. And on top of that, too, he's scheduled to have a couple of uh, guests with him. So uh, very special guest. I think you'll get a kick out of this, too, when we get him up here on the line with us. Or not on the line. He'll actually be uh, visiting my uh, plush well hotel room here in, uh, in Jacksonville. So joining us right now, ironically enough, on the Spence Automotive Guest Line. Wait a minute. I feel like this is like Inception or something here, Keith. As uh, you know, uh, Keith Spence from Spence Automotive joining me on the Spence Automotive Guest Line this morning. How are you doing this morning, my friend? Good. It sure felt like Inception yesterday. Man, up it, here. it really did, man. Uh, hey, I got to tell you, and let me set it up for everybody here. I'm driving uh, down to Jacksonville. In fact, I'm probably, I don't know, uh, 20 minutes into my drive. I get a call from uh, Murray Stroud, our Lenore County Emergency Services Director, and he's like, uh, where are you? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, I'm I'm on the road. I'm doing a basketball tournament down in Jacksonville. And just long story short, uh, he says, yeah, I, uh, it looks like a potential tornado hit the plaza area. And, dude, of course, the first person I think about is you, dude. It turns out that uh, the tornado, it was official. It was announced last night about 1020 by the National Weather Service. In fact, uh, before I let, let me read from this a little bit here, uh, uh, Spence, it says that uh, overview of brief tornado embedded within a large line of severe thunderstorms briefly touched down in the northern portion of Kinston this afternoon. Again, this came out uh, yesterday at, uh, uh, what, about 10 o'clock last night, a little after 10 o'clock. In fact, 10, 12 last night. Uh, the damage path started along Plaza Boulevard at the Furniture Fair, where at least six large windows were bowed in or blown out. One large AC unit on top of this store was blown off and toured the parking lot behind the store. The damage path continued across Boy Scout Boulevard, where a wood power pole was snapped in half about six feet off the ground. From the store through the wood power pole, damage in this area was consistent with estimated winds of between 90 and 100 miles per hour. Peaking around 100 miles per hour near the location of the power pole. The damage continued across Boy Scout Boulevard, where extensive damage occurred at the Salvation Army store. Almost the entire length of the eastern side of the building had the, bow, had the wall bowled out due to the strong winds. A dumpster, now this is one that got me here, Spence. A dumpster, which was located across the street at the post office, was blown around 100 yards to this location behind the store, Prior to the neighborhood on Darby Avenue, two large, healthy pine trees were snapped in half about 25 feet up from the ground. Winds in this area were estimated to be between 90 and 100 miles per hour, and it keeps going. It keeps going. Dude, tell everybody what happened at Spence Automotive, which is what? I would say 75 yards from uh, where this tornado touched down, or maybe even less than that, probably 50 yards from where it touched down, dude. Well, I will, but before we do that, dude, I want to make sure everybody knows just how fortunate we are in the city of Kinston. Um, I'm down at the shop, and I have power, and that's a miracle. You have I power mean, right now. We, I have power right now, and I wow. don't know if it came on last, you know, what time it came on. Um, but uh, obviously sometime during the night, um, our utility crews, Damien Locklear, the fire department, emergency services, um, they were down here in a flash and had complete control of the area, taking care of things. And uh, sometimes I think we just don't realize how fortunate we are to have such a good good group of people and hardworking people to, when there's an emergency in a, or a tragedy or, you know, a issue like this, how fortunate we really are. Well, I'm glad you said that, and we'll get into what you, what happened there at Spence on a moment in a second. But I'm going to echo what you said there, dude. I mean, this is uh, I, probably the third or fourth time I've now worked with uh, Kinston Fire Department Chief uh, Damian Locklear. And 
Dude, you are spot on, man. I mean, he cares. He's got a crew of people who cares. And on top of all that, you mentioned a lot of people there. And, and yes, Murray Stroud, Lenore County Emergency Services, Samuel Cornegi, and all those guys. However, did you see how quickly all these volunteer fire departments in our area, North Lenore was there, Southwood was there, Hugo was represented. I mean, within, dude, in fact, like I said, I was 20 minutes out from all this. And uh, by the time I got there, all these agencies are already there uh, doing what they do, Spence. They were they were here before I could get out the door to see what was going on. Almost. Wow. And it was, wow. It's, I mean, literally. I. Uh, but you're asking what happened. Yeah. Um, well, you know, it started raining. The wind was blowing. It was blowing pretty strong. But, you know, nothing that you haven't seen before. And um, and then literally just out of the blue. I mean, there was a, and it's all the cliches you hear when you hear people talk about a tornado. You know, there was this huge wind surge, and it sounded like a bomb going off all of a sudden. Boom, and then, and then everything happened. I mean, my my part of my ceiling collapsed, and of course we lost a bunch of windows in the front. But uh, you know, it it, it looks a whole lot worse than it is here. Um, we're going to do some cleaning up today, but, uh, you know, compared to something like furniture fair down there, we're very fortunate. Well, I'm telling you, uh, and for people who aren't familiar where we're talking about, and we talk about it every day here on the show, when we talk about where Spence automotive is located, but, uh, so it hit at furniture fair. If you're familiar with the plaza and I always associate the plaza, well, of course, with Spence automotive on one end, but then Piggly Wiggly down there on the other end, uh, but here is what's crazy. Check this out for size. So I talked to a couple of people at the Piggly Wiggly, uh, who, you know, of course, everybody was gathered around and understandably, I mean, people were wanting to see, you know, what happened, but, uh, did you know that the power didn't go out at Piggly Wiggly till they shut all the power down so they could, uh, so they could get inside and assess the damage that had had, that had taken place at uh, furniture fair, dude, they still had I their did, power. Yes. I did. I did not know that the, the, the further stuff. <laughs> The furthest I talked to anybody was, um, I, I don't know if we mention any names if they're not advertisers, but oh, I, we don't care. Jason, Jason doesn't yeah. mind. Go ahead. And I know they're one of your favorite <laughs> restaurants. San Juan, uh, the, the uh, Mexican restaurant, Daniel Navarro is a great guy. He's a friend of mine. He he walked down here a few minutes after it happened to check on us, which is wow. But, uh, that's as far as I walked up and, you know, he didn't have any power. Of course, yeah. he's not too far from, uh, but, but no, I had no idea. That, that is amazing. <laughs> Which you would think they would be on the same grid and everything, but uh, the, we, there was a couple of people down from Piggly Wiggly and they said, yeah, well, they did initially right after it happened. Like I said, uh, the city of Kenston, which by the way, uh, you named all those agencies. We really do need to brag on city of Kenston too, man. I mean, when I was driving back, all the lights were out in downtown Kenston. Okay, all the traffic lights. So, you know, I got to drive like a, a bat out of hell, you know, on the way. I didn't do that, by the way. But there were no lights uh, along Queen Street in, uh, in Kenston. And uh, just it was amazing to me. And, I mean, I've talked to several people who said just talked about how quick their power was back up. Dude, we never lost our power over on Whitehall Drive. Did you have power when you got home last or yesterday? Yes. And, you know, I live down Cary Road. I, I'm, you know, I'm about – five minutes from the shops where I live and, uh, we never lost power down there. So. That's crazy. But, but some kudos definitely need to go out to uh city of Kenson, Rhonda Barwick, city manager. I don't even know who the, uh, cause she was always the, uh, you know, the director of that, uh, you know, uh, power and utilities and everything. So I don't even know who replaced her. Heck, she may be doing double duty and doing both those jobs, but man, kudos to city of Kenson for that. Uh, just your observations. I mean, uh, like you said, I think you mentioned it, but you had a couple of lights that are a couple of lights, a couple of windows that were blown out. Uh, your ceiling collapsed in some places in your, in your place, just your observations from what happened with you. What, what, what does this mean for you? I mean, is, is Spence automotive open today? Um, partially and honest to God, I may not, it shouldn't even say it. I don't even know if we're supposed to be, to be honest okay. with you. Yeah. Hey, who was, the, who was the lady out there yesterday when you were wanting to go back in? And she was discouraging you when I was leaving the scene. Was she like an official? Who was she? Uh, I guess I can't remember, but yeah, that was basically don't, don't go <laughs> well in the fire. And they had told us not to go back in the building. And, and I understand. I mean, you know, they wanted to make sure everything was structurally sound and, 
there's no utility gas leaks and things like that where you, you come inside and start using a tool. Of course, we didn't have any power, but you know, I mean, I, I mean, I get it, but uh, but yeah, I mean, there were some things I needed to do, <laughs> yeah. kind of. Uh, but uh, but I'm gonna we're gonna clean up. Uh, you know, we cleaned up outside. We put our plywood up on our on our glass yesterday before we left, and you know, now I've got chunks of everything laying in my office so we're going to clean that up today until until they, unless they tell us we can't so well dude i love it. you got to tell everybody what i asked you when i was clearing the scene yesterday and you were standing out there with that official and a couple of other people tell them what i what i asked you dude i don't even remember honestly I've, <laughs> my brain's been in a fog since about 12 31 o'clock yesterday no, it's like a, <laughs> no remember i said uh, hey can i get my oil change Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there, there were, you, you weren't alone. I, there, and and look, that's another thing I want to say too. From from our personal standpoint, um, we've got. I, I, I'm blessed to have so many good friends and customers. I I can't count the number of phone calls and texts and Facebook messages I got yesterday from people concerned, and I mean people coming by here to check on us because you know the phone lines were down and everything, and. Um, and I, I just can't express how much it means to me and the guys here, you know, that people were that concerned about us, and, and we do appreciate it. Dude, I tell you what, man, bearing in mind that that building is as big, you know, that strip mall right there. Graham, we shouldn't mention, too, Graham Spear yesterday. Uh, just, I don't know, I, in a, the three hours or so I was there, might have even been longer than that. I don't think I cleared out of there until about 5 o'clock, but uh, – I think I saw that poor man shake his head about, uh, I don't know, about 80 or 90 times during that period to another guy that you got to feel a little bit bad for in Graham, right? Yeah. And it's, it's a little funny now looking back, but, um, when the storm, when it happened, you know, I didn't have any idea what happened. I saw the big surge and my windows bust out, my roof collapses. So the first thing I do is get on my cell phone and call Graham. <laughs> yeah. And he answers the phone. Now, This it has just happened. He answers the phone, and I must have been the first one to talk to him. Wow. Because he says, oh, man, I didn't know that. He said, I'll, I'll get over there and see what's going. He said, I'll get over there in a few and check out the damage. I said, okay, thanks. Well, that's when – then when I walk out, I see we're not the only one. Yeah. You know, we're – few minutes later Graham's over here you know the whole shopping center or, or this whole end of the shopping center's got the issues but but yeah apparently I was the first one to contact him and uh he wasn't aware of exactly what was going on of course nobody was when it first happened but but yeah but he was over here in a flash and he was there all the time wow well like I said uh here's where I think you were a little bit fortunate Spence and then yes I mean that was bad yesterday but what if that that <clears throat> funnel which now we know it was a tornado again it's been declared a tornado by the national weather service what if that had touched your building instead of that big i mean not that your building is you know weak or anything but at least it's the one that it touched the furniture fair is more structurally what would you say uh it's it's much bigger it could sustain a, a hit like that dude you're talking 50 yards over to the right that hits yours we I, might be I, having I know, a dude, we I, would be having a different conversation right now, Spence. I, I, we might not even be having a conversation, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's not something I really want to think about. Yeah, and, yeah. And my heart does go out to the people at Furniture Fair because that that place is is a mess, and everybody knows that. I'm as many people were driving through here rubbernecking and maybe yeah. i shouldn't say that but well no and that does need to be brought up too and listen i know people are curious and and i and i can appreciate that but dude <laughs> let the officials do their job that's one of the things that uh chief locklear was saying and even murray was saying uh, uh director murray stroud was saying yesterday too was and it was i mean they had to end up roping off the area or uh, riveting off the area because Everybody was driving through with their phones. I told you this, and I'm kind of proud of this, Fence, as we're letting you go here in a few moments, that uh, I was very proud. A lot of people, you know, who had their cell phones out and were shooting a video, I, I know they're at home last night or, you know, if they put it on Facebook or whatever, and they're looking at this goofy dude giving a thumbs up as they uh, drove by. Yeah, that was me, Keith Spence, okay? <laughs> well, 
there were there were some hand gestures I wanted to give to a few, but they weren't <laughs> thumbs up. But that's another story. There um, you go. We, you know, there was glass all out in the. Now, if you, now if you want to call poetic justice, I guess <laughs> karma, whatever. You know, where my glass shattered, there's gla- it was glass all on the sidewalk, out out in the road, and we couldn't get to. I we had our I had my guys out there sweeping up, and they we couldn't clean the road. Wow. Because, uh, because there was so much traffic out there. Well, how about this much traffic on the the karma, on the karma side is, uh, all these people were driving through that glass. (laughs) Well, that's where I was going with that, dude. Maybe the (laughs) ironic part of this is you get a couple of calls and I hear your phone ringing back there in the background right now, but a couple of calls of, uh, Hey, uh, I've got a flat tire. Can you check my tire? (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to keep my cool about that because I was a little hot about it yesterday. But I know anyway. you were, dude. Well, listen, <laughs> Keith Spence, my friend, uh, like I said, my, I call as soon as I found out what was going on. Well, I got to tell you, to tell you the truth, my second call was you. My first call was, uh, to Todd Bartley down here to let him know that, uh, dude, uh, I'm not going to be uh, down there for my three o'clock game for the East Coast Invitational, but yeah. my, my but my second call was to you though. Okay. Yeah, and I apologize didn't get to answer oh, dude, it, and, I, and, good, and I say that same to a lot of people. I just like I said, we got so many texts and messages and phone calls. There was no way I could respond to everybody. Well, and uh, but we very much appreciative. Well. Spence, we love you, buddy. I'm glad that, uh, I mean, I hate what happened. I'm just glad, again, that it was 50, 50 yards over to the left instead of uh, going through our uh, favorite place to get our car worked on at Spence Automotive, okay? I appreciate it, man. You have fun down in Jacksonville. I will for sure. Thank you so much for joining me this morning, dude. Thanks, dude. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. That's Keith Spence, uh, one of my dear friends, uh, one of my best friends on this planet, and some scary times yesterday, and again, if you were just joining us, uh, yes, that was a tornado that touched down uh, at the furniture fair in Plaza Boulevard. Again, fifty about 50 yards away from Spence Automotive, uh, blew a hole in the ceiling uh, or blew a hole in the roof, uh, knocked the uh, air conditioner unit off uh, the top. It was just crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, Linda, thank you for not driving by. I know Spence really appreciates that too. Hey, uh, let's get, uh, our regular Friday guests up here on the line with us. But before we do that, let's thank Lenora community college LCC, uh, for 65 years, LCC has helped men and women in our area tangibly improve their lives. LCC's mission is to meet the personal cultural and professional educational needs of its students through affordable, accessible, and innovative educational programs. LCC has its main campus in Kinston at 231 Highway 58 South, but it also has satellite campuses in Greene County and Jones County. Call LCC at 252-527-6223. Visit their website at lenorecc.edu or visit one of their beautiful campuses in Kinston, Snow Hill, or Trenton to find out how you can change your life today. And again, thank you so much, Richie Honeycutt, Dr. Rusty Hunt, all the folks over at LCC for being the title sponsor of ye old Brian Hank show and joining us right now on our Spence automotive guest line. I know you're up in Garner, uh, Paul, but I don't know if you had a chance to listen to uh, the conversation we just had with Keith, but, uh, officially it was announced late last night that, uh, that was a tornado that touched down in Kinston, uh, about 50 yards from Spence automotive, but right there at the furniture fair in the plaza. Now I know you've lived through some hurricanes. Have you ever been in a tornado before Paul? I don't think I've ever been in a tornado. Okay. I don't. Well, I don't think I have. No, a lot of hurricanes. How are you doing this morning? You sound a little groggy. Uh, no. You might be on the struggle bus a little bit. <laughs> what would give that away, dude? Stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. <laughs> Stay with you. I am, I am doing my best. <laughs> well, you know, we're live from the East Coast Invitational down here in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So uh, doing the show down here. And I'm in a hotel room, you know, like how we do up at the Holiday Invitational. And, uh, uh-huh. and it's a nice hotel. I'm not going to say the name of it. I don't want people visiting or anything and, you know, uh, whatever, but, uh, but I, where I'm set up here, I'm up against the wall. So I'm trying not to be the super loud guy that I usually am when I do the show, yeah. when, you know, when I'm in my plush, well, lit studio there on Whitehall drive and I can yell as loud as I want to. And I don't care if I wake <laughs> up the executive producer, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I am starting a little bit. Did, uh, you know, PIO work yesterday for, uh, that tornado, then busted my butt to get down here. Did three games last night. Going to do two games today. And then dude, it looks like I'm going to do nine 
games tomorrow down here at the Holiday Invita or at the, Holiday, mm. at the uh, East Coast Invitational, dude. Mm, that's that's <laughs> a rough day. You know, I you wow, that's a lot of games. That's a lot of games. I remember those summers uh, back when I was in my very early twenties of doing travel baseball tournaments, and you would be out there for there'd be ten games a day, and you might would have five of them. Uh, those are those are long days, long days. Yeah, it is. But at least in bas- at least with basketball, you're inside. There you go, and uh, man, it's first class. Everything down here at the East Coast Invitational is first class. With as you know, I mean, you he was uh, the AD and the basketball coach when you were at Kenston High School. But uh, Wells Golich, who runs this down here, and it is, and, and I'm not just saying it because he's got me in a nice hotel room, okay. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but it is. Uh, everything's first class down here. Uh, and, again, we'll do it throughout the show. We encourage everybody. Uh, go to my Twitter feed or go to ECITeamCamp.com. ECITeamCamp.com. You can uh, click on uh, up at the top. It says watch live. There are four games going on. Or, I'm sorry, let me correct myself. Five games going on simultaneously all throughout the day. And I will be broadcasting three of those at a time. So, uh, in fact, my Kinston folks. Uh, you'll be able to see Kenston take on Heidi Trask today at 10 a.m. Could you tell I was uh, digging for my uh, schedule there, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I heard the papers ruffle. Yeah, there you go. But I'll be uh, <laughs> I'll be bringing that game to everybody at 10 a.m. today, Kenston versus Trask, and then I'll be doing Southeast Raleigh versus First Flight. And then that'll be it for me because, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to brag on, oh, it, it, I got to tell you, you and your cousins are just so cute with uh, – uh, Elena and Cameron, you can tell there's a lot of affection there. I know when we went on our uh, beach trip this uh, earlier this summer, and you had another cousin out there too. I mean, uh, dude, you, you Whittington boys, you've got good relationships with all your cousins, don't you? We do. We certainly do. Been very fortunate. Well, very good. Well, tell us about what where we're going to be. Tell everybody where we're going to be tonight. You just want me to say that I'm going to another wedding. <laughs> yes, That's all I this do. is. It's a setup. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, we're going to another wedding, Brian. Um, yeah, Cameron, Cameron's getting married today down in Wilmington. So uh, look, looking forward to, to that and get to, get to have a, about a two-hour jump start on the weekend. So looking looking forward to getting down there for, for the festivities later today. Dude, the it's re- gonna be, we're we're going to be on a time crunch, though, because uh, – Today's uh, the last day of EOG testing at, at school for Sam, and there has to be like a uh, quick meeting with a principal that happens, and that's supposed to happen, and it's required. She can't leave school until she meets with the principal, and that's supposed to happen like at 2.30. Oh, my God. And then she's drive home super quick. Uh, she's she's our, She went to school in her go-to-a-wedding outfit today. <laughs> um so she just needs like five minutes to get ready, and then we're on the car and on the way. Dude, that woman you got, man, she is she is just the best. And I mean, and all that and carrying your child at the same time. That's right. God bless her. <laughs> Dude, a lot of fun. And again, uh, I'll probably say something later in the show too, but uh, just congratulations to Cameron and uh, her future husband. They are going. They are. Uh, they're 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 a cute couple, aren't they? They are. They certainly are. Couldn't be, couldn't be happier for them. Well, there you go. Okay. Uh, yes, we've been talking for, uh, good God, what, for uh, six minutes here. We've not talked one thing sports. <laughs> Why don't we jump into it here, dude? Uh, as everybody knows, our, our NASCAR expert, Paul Whittington, he's our NHL, our Carolina Hurricanes expert, even throw a little uh, Paps Blue Ribbon. Oh, I'm sorry, professional bull riding ah! in there, too. <laughs> I think you're probably a good Paps Blue Ribbon expert too, right? I I couldn't tell you anything about PBR. I think I've had one in my entire life, and it was it was I was 21. I was I was in downtown Raleigh. I had I had had quite a few beers at this point, and a lot of them, for whatever reason, that night were dark of the dark variety. Uh-huh. And so I was. I, I should not have ordered any more beer, and we were in this bar, and there was a buddy of mine that was like, oh, you got to go in there and try, well, I don't remember what it was called, it's like a $12 beer, and I was like, oh, that's expensive, but yeah, we'll try it, and it was terrible, worst beer I've ever had, um, and 
the only thing that they had in this bar that we were in that I recognized was PBR. I was like, I'll take a PBR. And I'm sure PBR tastes like something, um, <laughs> but it just did not taste good. Layered on top of all those dark beers, especially after the nasty beer that I had that was dumped out in the men's bathroom. Like, just awful. Absolutely awful. So I, I haven't had a PBR since. Paul, did we lose you? No, I'm right here. I, I just said um, I, I haven't had a PBR since. Oh, oh so, usually yeah. since isn't the last word of a sentence. So I thought you were going to say I haven't had a one since uh, 2022 or something like that, but uh, it's all good. <laughs> well, dude, uh, now we complained about this, well, yes, last week, and I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and officially lodge another complaint here, Paul. But how in mm-hmm. the world – and again, I've really enjoyed my re-education of NASCAR with you over the past several or past two or three years or so. <clears throat> but back in the day, let me tell you, can, can I put my old man hat on here? Back in the day, sure. NASCAR didn't race on Mother's Day because they wanted right. to, you know, be respectful of moms and all that. And, you know, let the drivers and the teams and the crewmen and all that be home with their mom. But you always raced on Father's Day because, I mean, that's just, you know, that's what you did. Yeah. What in the world is NASCAR thinking not right, not running on Father's Day, which was this past week, but running on Mother's Day? What I just I, I struggle to comprehend that, dude. Yeah, I, I think a lot of fans have. It's it was weird. It was certainly weird not watching racing last weekend. You know, it has a, a lot to do with the schedule, uh, the kind of schedule that we have this year. Only one off weekend baked into uh, a really a 37-week schedule, uh, 36 races over the course of 37 weeks. It all started in February and into November. You have, you, you know, you have the day that you run the Daytona 500. That happens a, a week after the Super Bowl. And then you basically have a drop-dead date. You have to have the season end by X um, because your your TV partners say so. Uh, and, and that's what the schedule says. And so, you know, TV has a lot of control in what we do. Uh, especially when you're working with networks like NBC and and Fox, who are big partners, uh, television partners, the NFL. And there is a good amount of the schedule that overruns in, into the into the NFL season. Uh, our, just about our entire playoff schedule overruns the, the or overlaps the NFL season. So it has to do with just the, the format of the schedule and, when we had to be done by, and unfortunately, it only baked one off week into that, and they decided that the Fox gets the first half of the schedule, NBC gets the second half, so exactly the halfway point, we'll take our week off, and then we'll come back in Nashville. I don't like it, but it's how the cookie crumbled. It it is how it crumbled, but again, I just think they miss a valuable, I don't know, marketing opportunity or something there when you don't run on – run on uh, father's day you're giving up the audience to to the u.s open and i wonder how much of that plays into it that i believe nbc had the u.s open and they didn't want you know their you know their open coverage to uh, compete against their nascar coverage and i can understand that to a degree but again i just i don't know dude it just uh you know me i'll find something to complain about dude well i mean that's that's a fair point right there uh if, if nbc has the u.s open you know nascar they what was it last year or two years ago took a two year break or excuse me, took a two week break because of the Olympics and NBC not wanting to do NASCAR while doing the Olympics. TV's got a lot of, a lot of say so in how this, how the schedule works out more than we give them credit for. Yeah. I would agree with you on that. That voice list too. It's Paul Whittington live here on our Spence automotive guest line here on the Brian Hanks show this morning. Uh, by the way, Hey, you have, well, no, uh, you know, you were on last Friday. I was about to, you know, brag about us. Uh, you know, I, I, I've got to bring it up at least once a show about us being an award-winning radio program, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, let's look at uh, the first half of the season is over. And I know we touched on this a little bit last week, but uh, I know you've got more thoughts on it, too. Uh, just where we stand right now, I mean, as you look at the uh, Cup Series standings, Martin Truex is atop the uh, point standings, 525 points, 13. Uh, he's got two wins, five top fives, only one DNF, and that's where when you start seeing uh, 
uh, where people are ranked, it's because of uh, their ability to not have a DNF. I mean, you look at Ryan Blaney, who's in third place, uh, 24 points back, uh, no DNFs this season. And, in fact, you have to you go from him, you go all the way down to Alex Bowman in 16th place before you find another driver who has not started every race this year because of uh, his injury. But uh, to me, the way these points, and again, here I go again, old man, old NASCAR guy. I love the old NASCAR standings where, I mean, basically you, you know, you got, how can I say this? I feel like I'm blithering here and I probably am. I like the old way. I'm not sure I like this way, even though it does keep everybody bunched up more. And that if you win a race, it's more important with this than it is uh, in the old system. Your thoughts on that? What, what do you think about just the way the standings are set up and the point, uh, the point standings? Yeah, you know, I, I like the old format. I, I did, you know, the, the bonus points for leading a lap, the bonus points for leading the most laps and, and all that kind of stuff. But the old point system could allow for a champion to become a champion without winning a race. I remember, I think it was, I want to say it was the year that Matt Kenseth won. He only won one race. And Jeff Gordon that year had won like four or five. Or, you know, there were other drivers with multiple wins, maybe people that are a little bit more deserving of a championship. But the way the points work out, Matt Kenseth winning one race emerges as, as the champion. I, that's the part of the format that I don't like. Now, that being said, while unlikely, you can win in the current format without winning without winning a race. If you can point your way into the playoffs and then point your way all the way down to the, the championship four and just manage to finish in front of the other three drivers running for the championship, maybe you finish second and the rest of them finish fifth, eighth, and 20th you've won the championship. It's possible, but it is a lot more unlikely in this scenario. I do like the fact that NASCAR developed a system that values wins in the way that they do. Um, and, I, and I also like the fact that how you, how you run during a race and where you finish during a race, um, how that impacts not only the playoffs, but the, the regular season points. So I, I would be fine in a system where we didn't have the playoffs using a similar point system uh, where, you know, you, you get 40 points for finishing first, you get no points for finishing last. Um, you, you get all the stage points and stuff. I would be fine using the point system minus the playoff stuff that we use for the regular season and going back to a format with no playoffs. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Um, but I also, I think the playoffs add a little something. I but do too. And, and again, I'll say, I'll say this. Go ahead. I'll say this, I would also be fine if NASCAR packed it up in August and then crowned their champion at the end of August and just let the NFL do them. Stop trying to compete on Sundays. Oh, man. I, you know what? I'm with you on that, but I, there's just so much money out there. I don't think that NASCAR would ever give that up. Do you? It'll never happen. Wow. It'll never happen. That voice you listen to, Paul Whittington, he's our NASCAR expert. And I'm mentioning that, and I had to look it up because it was standing in my head. As you know, dude, huge Bill Elliott fan. I mean, I grew up, you know, mm-hmm. of course, you know, worshiping the uh, the Blue Oval and especially Bill Elliott until he, you know, became a traitor and, you know, left the Ford camp. <laughs> but I'm looking back at the – in fact, I've got it right here in front of me, the 1985 uh, Winston Cup Grand National Series. Bill Elliott won 11 races that year, dude. 11 races, won 11 poles that year. And you would think, uh, and no other driver won more than four that year. Okay, and that was Dale Earnhardt, ironically. Where do you think uh, Bill Elliott finished in the points? Don't look it up. Just see if you guess. Where do you think Bill Elliott finished in the points standings that year, uh, winning 11 races? Fifth. Uh, No, second. But to to Daryl Waltrip, who had three wins that year. So 11 wins to three wins. Bill also won the, the very first million-dollar uh, bonus that uh, NASCAR gave out there. So he won. Check this out. He finished second in the standings, but he won two, uh, basically $2 million that year. Okay? Daryl Walter mm-hmm. won the point standings and won $702,000 that year. 
So, anyway, it is. It's crazy. I mean, 11 wins to three, but you finished second. And even, like I said, Dale Earnhardt, who had the second most wins at four, he finished eighth that year in the point standings. But Dale was at, and again, I was 16 years old. This is 1985. This one, a young Brian Hanks was just NASCAR crazy and just loved everything. But Bill and Dale that year both had that mentality, almost the Ricky Bobby mentality. If they didn't win the race, they had crashed out or they had, uh, you know, they just uh, maybe something, you know, broke on the car or something, and they ended up not, uh, you know, not finishing in the top 10 or whatever. And I, that's just crazy to me. Uh, at that time, probably 30, 31 races on the circuit. Hold on, I can do the math right here. 14, 17, 19, 21, 25. Dude, uh, 26, 28, 28 races that year. You win 11 of 28, and you don't win the point standings, dude. Crazy. Doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. So anyway, uh, but let's see what 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 year was that again? Nineteen eighty five. Nineteen eighty five. Yeah. So and and you know consistency over the course of the year certainly matters. Uh, Nineteen eighty five. Bill Elliott had an average finish of eight point seven. Okay, <laughs> remember that number. We're gonna look up what Daryl Waltrip did that year. Eight point seven is the number to beat. In 1985, Daryl Waltrip had an average finish of 7.3. Wow. Slightly more consistent than, than Bill Elliott. That's just crazy. And, and uh, you know what? That, that's I, I didn't like Daryl Waltrip then. I don't like him now. Just for what? <laughs> <laughs> the hatred began there. But just look at that. Dude, you talk about my childhood. I mean, Waltrip won. This is the 1985 uh, Winston Cup standings. Waltrip at one, Bill Elliott at two, Harry Gant at three, Neil Bonnet at four, Jeffrey Bodine. I guess that was when he was still Jeffrey before he took the R-E-A or R-E-Y off his name at five, Ricky Rudd at six, Terry Labonte at seven, Dale Earnhardt at eight. That that just blows my mind. He won four races, finishes eighth. Kyle Petty at nine, and then, dude, one of the great all-time names in uh, – and NASCAR, and I'm just talking about names, not necessarily the driver, but I never knew Lake Speed finished in the top 10 in the standings, but he did in 1985. And what a great name, dude, Lake Speed. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> hey, I thought this was pretty cool. We were we were talking about the NASCAR and, and NFL just uh, a few moments ago. We didn't get a chance to talk about this last Friday, but last Tuesday there was an interesting story that broke. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, they they have some proposed renovations to TIA Bank Field over there in Jacksonville. So they are looking alternative places to play. And one of the leading candidates to host some of their games right now is the infield at the Daytona International Speedway. Wow. Uh, there is a scenario where some NFL games could be played on on the infield there at, at Daytona. And what's, what I think what would make that even cooler – is now you've now you've exposed this this facility to football fans that are going to look at it and, and say, oh man, this is cool. Uh, might want to see a race here. And and if Fox is covering the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know they're going to start their Daytona 500 promos in the middle of the NFL season. What better place to start your promos than from broadcasting a game from the World Center of Racing? I think that would be really cool. Man, you should let people know, too, this will not be the first time that a football game, not, not an NFL game, but that a football game has been played on a NASCAR, at a NASCAR facility. No, it's crazy. Um, Virginia Tech and, and Tennessee played a game uh, at the Bristol Motor Speedway, which doesn't have infield grass, mind you. So they basically <laughs> had to take all the infrastructure out of the infield and, and put a foot or out of the, um, the inner track area there where all the hollers park and stuff behind pit road. And they put a football field down and they played a game. And, and what's crazy, Brian, it sold out. <laughs> it sold out. Speaking of Bristol, a uh, story broke earlier this week. Uh, NASCAR may be going to nix the dirt race and only go to Bristol maybe once next year. And the leading candidate to replace that date on the schedule right now is the North Wilkesboro Speedway. Dude, as happy as I will be to have a real date at North Wilkesboro, and I will be. <laughs> Let me, is Bristol having trouble selling tickets? Yeah, and that's, you know. Yeah, that, that was my first logical thought when you said that. It is. It, it, they, they are a little bit. Um, now, 
if you move North Wilkesboro to to the Bristol date in in the early part of the schedule, what do you do with the All Star race? So maybe the All Star race goes back to Bristol. You know, the All Star race went to Bristol during the COVID year back in 2020 because you know it was scheduled for Charlotte. We were in COVID protocol. The state of Tennessee, which is where the track sits, even though Bristol sits on the Virginia-Tennessee line, the track sits in Tennessee. Tennessee gave the green light for, for spectator events, while North Carolina had not at that point. Uh, so Bristol got the all-star race that year. It was a one-off kind of deal. So they can host an all-star race, and, and maybe that's where, where the race goes back to. Um, I, I would not be opposed to an all-star race at Bristol. Um, I don't think dirt has been as successful as they would hope, but, but yeah, uh, Bristol is struggling to sell tickets. And I, you know, I believe that the night race is, is one of the crown jewel events in NASCAR. I'm willing to die on that hill, Brian. Um, and, and I think if you make that a little bit more of an exclusive event, then maybe Bristol comes back and in the way that, you know, it used to be when, when you have this, massive coliseum in, in the foothills of tennessee and it's sold out it's completely sold out when that place is sold out it's a it's a ruckus environment there's not many places in sports that can compete with it well, i agree with you wholeheartedly there and that just again you're you're talking to a 50 year 54 year old guy who grew up with nascar and just it befuddles my mind, Paul, that to me, and I'm with you. Hey, the, this is one of those things you and I are in lockstep on, dude. The best facility, and, and now bear in mind, I've never seen a race at Daytona, and you have, uh, but I have yep. been to Talladega. I have been to Pocono. I've been to, you know, probably 10 or 11 uh, tracks on the uh, NASCAR circuit. Dude, it does not get better than Bristol. And I mean that sincerely. And I mean, I'm even including North Wilkesboro in there, who, of course, that was my home track. That's where I grew up and I loved and. You and I went to the all-star race this year, and I love North Wilkesboro, but, dude, there is nothing better to me than going to Thunder Valley. And, be, dude, you better. You better have some ear protection. And even with ear protection, yeah. it doesn't really help. <laughs> it's so loud. It's so loud. It's so very loud. But I love it. And your guts are shaking the entire time you leave there, and your legs are weak, and you're, you can't hear anything. And I know John Dawson's probably listening to going, wait a minute, this is a good thing? But, yes, I mean, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's a lot of fun going to uh, a Bristol race. And that bothers me that if uh, – that they're struggling to sell tickets to the best. What is it they call it? The last Coliseum, something like that. The last great, the last great Coliseum. Yeah, there you go. Like in the in Roman times, and it is. It's so much fun. I didn't like the dirt thing. I I just don't get it, dude. And I wonder if it's because it is just it is in the middle of nowhere. Now it's right off a couple of interstates that'll get you there pretty quick. But it yeah. re it really is in the middle of nowhere, sort of like North Wilkesboro is. It just breaks my heart, now, man. Now, now, here's the thing. I my gut tells me that they probably get the All Star race in a, in a deal like this. I, I think Bristol on the calendar once would be a travesty. Um, but the All Star race had if if North Wilkesboro goes on to the schedule as a points race, I, I don't I don't see a scenario where where North Wilkesboro gets two dates. I, I just don't. They, they get one date. You've got to keep that an exclusive event. You, you get two dates. I think you're going to run into a ticket selling problem. Yeah. The all-star race has to move. The all-star race is a speedway motorsports event. So it has to move to a speedway motorsports racetrack. And tell people they what those Atlanta. tracks are. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, speedway motorsports owns the Atlanta motor speedway, Bristol motor speedway, Charlotte motor speedway, Dover, Las Vegas, Nashville, uh, New Hampshire, North Wilkesboro, Sonoma, and Texas. They also own the Kentucky Speedway, but that's not part of the equation anymore in, in NASCAR. We're not going to run an all-star race in Atlanta. You can you can forget that. Not going to happen. Uh, it's kind of run its course at Charlotte. Maybe they try to go back there. Who knows? Because yeah. um, it's always the week before the Coke 600. Uh, you're, you're not going to take it to Dover. I seriously seriously doubt you go to las vegas especially with las vegas already having two dates on the calendar um it's not going to go to nashville I, I could actually see a scenario where it goes to nashville but i don't think nashville gets a points race and an all-star race uh it's not going to go to new hampshire if north wilkesboro has a has a points race they're not going to get an all-star race we're definitely not going to do it at the sonoma road course and texas had it for three years and it got stale um 
So I, I don't see it going back to Texas. That leaves Bristol in my mind. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're going to put North Wilkesboro on the calendar as a points race, I think Bristol gets the all-star race, and then they have their night race. Wow. Dude, good analysis there, man. I love that. Now, I know it's a Speedway Motorsports thing, but is there some way that they could do an agreement with, you know, who some of the owners of these other tracks and maybe move it somewhere else? I like the idea. And, okay, that's part one of my question. Part two of my question is, uh, I don't know if it's much a question. It's just an observation, dude. I like, you know, listen, the NBA All-Star Game moves around every year to different places. Yep. The NHL All-Star Game moves around every year. I'm no, why not move it around from track to track and have it at a different place every year? Dude, I am not opposed to that. Or even have it at, uh, at Rockingham, you know, kind of like what they did at North Wilkesboro this year. Bring it, you know, if you can get Rockingham uh, fixed again and get it up, I'm pretty sure it's not a Speedway Motorsports uh, entity. But uh, I guess, so there's, there, I know I just gave you a lot to uh, chew up or chew over there, but what do you think about that? So... You have to be, I think. I think you can't go much further west than Texas. Okay. Because it's a it's a non points paying race. Not every driver is is guaranteed to run the all star race. Uh, your night sometimes your night's over before five o'clock, right? Um, during during that open, and it's just that that would be it would be tough to go much further than further west than Texas for something that doesn't pay points. It doesn't really pay money to anybody that doesn't win the race uh i I just don't see that sort of buy-in from the industry uh i'm with you on it moving around i I think there's a limited number of tracks that could host uh you're not going to see an all-star race at daytona or talladega you're not going to see an all-star race tracks like that but but, okay Um, time out time out but why not because those tracks tear up race cars okay and for a race that for a race that doesn't pay money why do you want to take a, a super speedway car out there and I, tear it up? Okay. Um, so it, it's not going to go to a track like that. I think there's, you know, I think Nashville is an appealing market for an all-star race, but Nashville is a Nashville fairgrounds is an interesting conversation, but uh, Nashville super speedway and SMI property. And I think the fairgrounds will be an SMI property. The, the problem with moving it to a track not owned by SMI is that, the all-star weekend is an SMI date. Like that is, that is their thing. Um, now the race itself is a NASCAR property. So when we go to uh, an SMI racetrack, like we're going to go to this weekend, those races are broadcast by the, on the radio, by the performance racing network, every race at a SMI racetrack is broadcast by the performance racing network. All other races with the exception of Indy broadcast by the motor racing network. When we do the all-star race, the weekend is an SMI property, but the event is a NASCAR property, which is why you get MRN doing the all-star race. They would SMI would have to give up a weekend, and a non-SMI racetrack would have to be willing to switch their points race for an all-star weekend. Okay. So you have to have please, two people come to an agreement. Please tell me you're not going to test me on this later, okay? I won't. I won't. There will not be a test. <laughs> There might be a quiz, but there won't be a test. Good Lord. All the machinations there of everything you just said. Seriously, my head is – if I'm driving into work right now and, you know, I'm in the greater <laughs> Kensal and North County ENC area, dude, I'm, I'm having to pull over, you know, and, and rub my temple <laughs> because I'm just sitting here right now in my plush well-lit hotel room here in Jacksonville listening to you, and I, I'm trying to – and, dude, you, you explained it very well. You explained everything great, but, dude, just – is there a way to combine all this or where maybe you combine MRN and PRN? And yes, I mean, we, you know, everybody knows what big fans of Alex, you and I are, but uh, is there a way that maybe you combine MRN and PRN? Is there a way that uh, there's one, well, I mean, you have the governing body, obviously of NASCAR, but that maybe you get a, a billionaire if uh, Paul Whittington becomes a billionaire that he just buys the rights to uh, all these tracks and they're all, on one place it's also confusing to me and yes i know we're going down a weird road here and i want to preview uh uh, (laughs) nashville here in a moment but dude the tv thing is the most concerning thing to me that if you want to put one reason why people struggle to watch nascar 
it's because you don't know what channel it's going to be on every week. I mean, I'm talking about the average NASCAR fan. I'm not talking about a super fan like you that knows it all. I'm talking about, dude, me. You're looking at your target audience here that has to go to NASCAR.com and say, okay, shoo, is it on Fox this week? Is it on FS1? Is it on NBC? I don't even know what the – because there used to be an NBC Sports channel. There's not one of those now. So is it on USA? You know, dude – when you don't have a consistent TV station or heck even consistent radio station, if you're a PRN or an MRN affiliate, dude, I think that hurts the product a little bit, Paul. Well, I'm, I'm going to read you real quick. The, the first 10 races of the 2000 season, NASCAR 2000. Okay. I'm going to read you the first 10 races. I'm only going to read the TV uh, broadcaster. <laughs> okay. Okay, we'll start with the Daytona 500. We'll end up with the Napa Auto Parts 500 in Fontana, California. Okay. CB- CBS, TNN, ABC, ABC, ESPN, <laughs> ESPN, CBS, ESPN, ABC, ABC. Wow. You want to talk about not that, knowing what station. <laughs> hey, dude, you like, valid point. Valid, you, have, taken. You, you have four options right now. It's either Fox or FS1 at the beginning of the year. And then once we make the switch, it's either NBC or USA. Okay. So those are the two. It, it got a little simpler in 2001 when they redid the TV deal and, and Fox. I think it was just Fox that year. Uh, maybe it was Fox and NBC. But it got a little simpler back in 2001, and we've been kind of operating in that same space since then. But prior to that, there were like five or six TV, TV partners, and it could be on one of any five or six channels every race weekend. Wow. Well, dude, I uh, – again, I uh, – I, I still stand by that, but dude, thank you for putting things in perspective that in 2000, there were nine different <laughs> networks in the first 10 weeks. That's crazy. Paul Whittington joining us here as we're wrapping up our first hour here of the Brian Hanks show today. Let's talk a little bit about Nashville. Uh, one of those, uh, well, I call it non-traditional because, uh, you know, Hey, if you're not a, uh, you know, North Wilkesboro or Bristol or the rock or Darlington or Martinsville or Richmond, I don't, or Daytona or Talladega, I don't really consider you, uh, an old school track. Uh, tell us a little bit about the history of the Nashville, uh, speedway. Yeah, it's the, uh, the Nashville super speedway. It's actually in Lebanon, Tennessee, uh, about, I think it's about an hour outside of Nashville. Uh, it's it's only the third time the NASCAR Cup Series has come to this racetrack. Uh, we typically don't run at the National Super Speedway, and this was a NASCAR Xfinity track from, uh, I believe, 2001 to 2011, and then NASCAR left that place. Uh, it was it was just Xfinity. It I think it hosted maybe one or two um, uh, Craftsman Truck Series races, but nothing else. Uh, now, Nashville is not a new market for NASCAR. You know, back in the day before the air quotes here, modern era, uh, NASCAR did visit the, the Nashville fairgrounds. Uh, but in the modern era, NASCAR hasn't done much racing in, in Nashville, but it's a big market. You know, we do our end of year banquet there now, and now we're talking about a potential for two tracks in the market to come into the fold. Um, but this is a fairly, fairly new track for NASCAR. Uh, yeah, the Craftsman Truck Series raced from 2001 to 2011. They have come back with everybody to run there in, uh, for the past two years. Same with the NASCAR Xfinity Series. They ran here from 2001 to 2011. They've come back for the last two years. But the NASCAR Cup Series, this is only their third race at this racetrack. It's, uh, it's, a mile and a third all the way around 14 degrees of banking in the corners. Uh, so a fairly flat racetrack, but uh, an intermediate track nonetheless. Well, there you go. Uh, with it being such a relatively new track, uh, who are your favorites? Who you got uh, competing well this weekend there at Nashville? You're going to roll your eyes to so get oh, ready for good it. good Lord. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Hendrick Motorsports has dominated at this racetrack since it came onto the NASCAR Cup Series schedule. Kyle Larson won the inaugural race here two years ago, and then last year's race was won in dramatic fashion by Chase Elliott. Uh, with like three laps to go, he passed six cars in one lap to, to take the lead and ultimately win the race. Uh, 
it was it was a phenomenal drive by him. I like William Byron this weekend. Uh, that that 24 car has been bad, fast, and consistent all year long. He's been really good at the intermediate racetracks. Uh, so so I like William Byron to continue the Hendrick Motorsports streak this week. But uh, I also think Kyle Larson's really really hot right now. So don't take your eyes off that five car either. Uh, any of my Fords have a chance there? I think I think Ryan Blaney's got a got a solid chance. He's he's been running well as of late. Uh, has been fast and running near the front. Uh, I would, I, I would also put Ryan Blaney in the in the contenders corner. Well, no, and I we, like and we can't we we can't let this go. Uh, I know I know we're up <laughs> on the hour here. No, you're good. You're good. But uh, the the big breaking news this week. Uh, it was air quotes breaking news, but everybody knew it was coming. Uh, Josh Berry, who's been the fill-in driver this year for Alex Bowman, as well as Chase Elliott, has landed a Cup Series ride full-time starting in 2024 with Stuart Haas Racing. He'll be taking over for Kevin Harvick. And uh, driving uh, one of those great Fords out there. And, uh, dude, as well as he's covered for uh, those two uh, Hendrick Motorsports drivers, I kind of thought, and maybe maybe I'm just way out there, but uh, dude, back in the day, man, who you drove for, and I'm not talking just team wise, but I'm talking about the the manufacturer that you drove for, was a pretty big deal. And it just seems like, man, these drivers just go from Ford to Chevy to Toyota to Ford to Toyota to Chevy. I mean, it just there there just doesn't seem to be. You know, you're talking, you know this, you can explain this to everybody more than anybody. I'm a very brand loyal guy. You know, I love my Nikes. I love my Hilton Honors. I love my uh, Enterprise Rent a Car. I'm trying to think what else, uh, dude. Just to see these drivers, and again, Josh Berry being an example of it. You know, going from you know, being a, uh, you know, uh, really doing a great job for Hendrick Motorsports and Chevy this year to now going to be driving for Stuart Haas and Ford. I don't know, man. It just, it hurts this old man's heart a little bit here, Paul. So if you're, you know, you, you grew up a fan of the, of the Washington football team. Yes, I did. Uh, for, for a long time, which means you hate the Dallas Cowboys. I, dude, I, and in fact, as much as I tried to divorce them a couple of years ago, now with new – I'll say this, with new leadership, I'm going to be back, I think, on the Washington bandwagon. But even when I got away from Washington, Paul, I still hated Dallas. But please continue. So, so if you grow up your entire life playing football and you go to college and you play D1 football – and then you don't get drafted, but you play in the USFL or, or the XFL or whatever, and then all of a sudden the phone rings one day, and it's Jerry Jones. He <laughs> says, Brian, I'm, I'm, the only, I'm the only one calling, but we want to give you a chance to play in the NFL. Are you going to tell him no? Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Playing play football at the highest <laughs> level is your, is your biggest streak. It's kind of the same. It's kind of the same principle, though. But to to your point, yeah, there's there there's not a ton of, of folks that don't make a jump at some point in their career. But also, like the the Chevy, the Chevy development program is just deeper right now. It's just complete. It, it's vastly deeper than than Ford's or Toyota's. Um, Ford doesn't have a lot of guys in the pipe right now in the Xfinity series. And I mean, it's too soon to give Cole Custer another chance at the cup series with, with Stuart Haas racing. What's interesting, Josh Berry, a very untraditional path. He's only actually run one full season in the NASCAR Xfinity series. That was last year. He'll, he'll run a full season this year, but prior to that, he had not run a full season. He actually ran a total of uh, seven races between 2014 and 2017 in the NASCAR Xfinity Series went away and then came back for 22 races back in 2021. And he did a stellar job filling in for for both Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman. Uh, and you know we saw him at the at the All Star race. He was bad fast at North Wilkesboro. Absolutely. So, uh, I I I think this was a no brainer. But man, this is a guy that literally. He, he has not had a traditional path. He ran a total of seven Arkham Menard Series races prior to last year or prior to 2021. He had run, he ran 10 races in the Truck Series in 2021. Prior to that, he had made one Truck Series start. From 2014 to 2017, he had made seven NASCAR Xfinity starts. It just 
uh, you talk about an untraditional path, and he comes in one full time season in Xfinity race, and now he's going to go drive one for. He's going to go drive the four car that that's currently occupied by Kevin Harvick, one of the most iconic cars in NASCAR currently. And number five in the point standings right now. So he's going into a car that we know he's going to be successful in. Okay, I'll leave you with this. Dude, I never forgave Jeff Gordon because Ford developed him and – uh, and then freaking Rick Hendricks swooped in and stole that, uh, that porn mustache and, you know, and, and everything. People know what I'm talking about. If you see the young Jeff Gordon and even Bill Elliott, as we talked earlier in your appearance here, I loved Bill Elliott. I mean, dude, just, he was my driver kind of like how I guess Chase is yours now and how Jeff was yours as you were growing up. And dude, I never forgave him when he left Ford and went to Dodge. I mean, I still don't get it twisted. I've still got, you know, some uh, room in my heart for that red number nine and, uh, uh, the, you know, the quarters light number nine, but dude, I just, mm-hmm. I never forgave him, man. I, I never did. That's the reason why you got to love Joey Logano, man. I mean, Logano, who has been a true, you know, Ford guy, his entire career, please don't uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, because in my head, he is a, uh, a true Ford hero. Okay. Did he not run a Dodge at Penn Anyway, hey, I tell you what, it is very <laughs> nice talking to you here, Paul Whittington. <laughs> hey, Paul, thank you so much, man. Hey, I'll, next time I see you, we'll be on wedding time for Luke and Cameron. Sounds good. We'll see you later, Brian. There you go. That'll wrap up the first hour of today's uh, Friday edition of the Brian Hanks Show. Coming up, we've got Todd Barley and Wells Gulledge.